Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic Air Quality Solutions. Dynamic manufactures IAQ products based on the science of clean air. Dynamic's clean air defense system products are supported by technical and communication IAQ training that is second to none in the industry. For more information on how to get your team confident in communicating IAQ challenges and solutions on every call, email Michelle Hogan at mhogan at dynamicaqs.com. If you want to be a great leader, you want to be a great person, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Do not allow yourself because you're the boss, be the guy that goes, hey, do as I say, not as I do. Right. That's that's terrible, terrible advice. Always make sure that if you're, if you're honesty, then you better be honest above reproach. You better show the guys that hey, I'm so honest that I will hurt myself. I, I took a I took a forty thousand dollar haircut one time because a guy, one of my managers, miss uh, you know he he added up a bonus and it was not correct. Mm-hmm. And he came and he goes, Jimmy, we're in trouble. He goes, man, I I, I didn't carry the one or something happened here. And yeah. man, it's it's forty grand. And I go, and he goes, well, we're not going to pay the guys that. I'll just tell them this. I go, whoa, whoa, did you tell them you're going to pay? And he goes, yes. I go, then you're going to pay it. And he goes, because you said you're you're going to pay it, that meant I said you're going to pay it. That meant Baker Brothers said you're going to pay it. Right. You're going to pay it, as you told them. Welcome to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Today, we're talking to Jimmy Dale of Baker Brothers in Dallas, Texas. As Jimmy will share with you, he started as a small contractor and an SGI member. And over the last 15 years, he's become one of the largest and most profitable residential contractors in the country and is now a part owner of SGI as well. Jimmy is exceptional at managing his operation, but for a very long time, he's also been a culture warrior. And that's what we're really going to discuss today, how emphasizing culture has helped him build Baker Brothers. Over the course of our conversation, Jimmy and I talk about a host of things that have helped them shape Baker Brothers culture, from how to motivate people on a daily basis, to how to help struggling technicians pick themselves up and finally excel, to how to manage top producers who violated company culture, and so much more. Let's take a listen. I hope you enjoy. Well, hey, Jimmy, uh, thank you so much for your time today. I know uh, things are awfully busy, but uh, for those in the group uh, that haven't had an opportunity to really uh, sit down and chat with you, could you kind of just share with them, uh, well, first, you know, your name, your company name, where you're at, uh, maybe a little bit about the company's history and then uh, your history with SGI. Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, I'm Jimmy Dale, and I'm president of Baker Brothers Plumbing, Air, and Electric. Um, I've been with SGI, I believe, since 2000. Four, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a third generation business owner, a fifth generation, uh, you know, master plumber, and um, basically we start. I started with SGI, you know, in 2004 because we we started to get into home services. Mm-hmm. We had about a three million dollar, almost like a plumbing consulting company for insurance companies, not home warranty, but actual homeowners insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And we were trans, we we're transitioning into home services. So uh, I found SGI, and we were probably doing about three million dollars in sales. And then, so to kind of fast forward today, I think we're going to be just, you know hopefully like on 60 or just shy of 60 million dollars so quite a bit of a transformation (laughs) and 
like have used the SGI methodology throughout. So when we were doing plumbing, we already kind of had a methodology. Mm-hmm. So and we transitioned into the SGI model. And every time we've opened a new, like we started AC, opened a new, you know, branch of our new trade, we just used the SGI model holistically with HVAC. Then we went to electrical, and like we've only been doing electrical maybe two years, and we're and we're going to be you know, sitting on, you know, three, three and a half million dollars. So just an electrical work. So yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, has really changed the dynamic of our campaign model. And, and now I'm fortunate enough to be able to be an investor in a, in SGI and actually, you know, uh, be highly involved at, a, at the, at the high level right. and help other people get to where, you know, we've been and do it faster. That's great. That's great. No, you've got a great story, Jimmy. And, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about on this podcast lately has been uh, dealing with uh, how businesses have been changing with COVID, but I wanted to, to kind of change it up and, and talks about something maybe a little more positive and, and maybe a little bit more enjoyable. And, and we're going to discuss uh, how you manage culture in your business. I think that's a big reason why you've obviously grown so quickly is people love working there. So let's see, how many employees do you have now, r- roughly? I know there's a lot. Around so. 270, 275, so. usually right in there. So, I mean, that's a, that's a ton of people. So how do you keep everyone motivated every day, every week to strive to hit the goals that you have, you know, and, and to want to work at Baker Brothers? What, what do you guys do to keep people's spirits up? Well, I mean, I think one of the important things in, in order to do this is, you know, when you're small and you have like, you know, 10 to 15, you know, even 25 people, it's really easy for you to kind of be the, the culture guy. You know, you can you can kind of control the, the temperature and you can make it a fun place to work and you can make it a bad place to work. You know? <laughs> so it depends on it really depends on your attitude that day, probably how the culture is. Mm-hmm. But as you get larger, one of the things you have to realize is one, when you're smaller, how do you create a great culture that's positive it's fun a fun place to work it's okay to make mistakes it's it's okay to it's, you embrace failure to as a learning data point as opposed to you know just getting angry and mad and everybody's upset right. and so I, th- I think that's kind of the that's kind of the start mm-hmm. and then when you get to my size i mean how that culture bleeds out is it's just like any belief system that you have out there that belief system has followers to go, man, I like the way Jimmy does business. I like this culture. Mm-hmm. And then you, you hire people like I hire Bubba. It's my VP mm-hmm. and he's a great culture guy. So you, you hire people to, to kind of keep, like he has a better culture than I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I hire someone better than me. Sure. And then everyone that's a leader sees the positive, you know, and so what happens is all the managers, the guys that are above the techs, they realize that hey, it's better to do business this way, right. and so it just and it just permeates through the whole entire organization because it's not about having a meeting and being really nice in the meeting, and then when you get done with the meeting, you're a jerk. <laughs> you know, it's it's not going to work. Sure. You have to really believe that it's the way to do business, and it's almost like your kids. Mm-hmm. Whatever belief system you have, however you talk, the things that you do are things they're going to do. Right. You know, right. and, and it's going to become their belief system. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Like, but, but every day we're living that out. What's funny, you tell people that little kids, oh, you, if you do that, your kids go, oh, no, they're not going to cuss. If I'm cussing, they go 100% by the time they're in fourth <laughs> grade, they're going to be dropping F bombs. <laughs> so you've got to figure out how you got to really be critical of yourself and how you come to work and mm-hmm. what what spirit you come to work with and is it okay to make a mistake with you? Yeah. It's okay to make a mistake with me. Just don't do it 
more than two times. <laughs> you know, it's like, and my deal is, it's okay to make a mistake. Right. Just don't keep making the same one. Right. And and everyone knows that. So I'm I'm intense and still demand that we that we win. Mm-hmm. So and and I think the big thing on culture is, hey, how do you how do you give the people what they want? but still have discipline and, and still have accountability and still have, have those things. And if you, if you do a phenomenal job with culture, what happens is people just want to do the right thing. Right. And, and they, and they correct each other. Mm-hmm. Like if you have guys that won't tuck their shirts in, that's a big one, mm-hmm. you know, just in your uniform, you can pound them and pound them and pound them and they keep not tucking it in. But it's real funny when the guy next to him says, Hey, you're making us look bad. Right. Tuck your shirt in. They only have to tell that guy once. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and so the belief system becomes, hey, we all need to look good because if you look bad, then I look bad. Mm-hmm. The whole company looks bad. Once you ingrain that into the to the system, they start self-correcting and like peer peer correction, peer accountability. Right. And that, and that's where. The, the discipline, because people think that great culture means we have ping pong tables and foosballs, and everybody plays most of the time. That works yeah. only you know ten percent of the time, but that's not the case. It's it's more of that everybody knows where we're going and what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. There's clarity and vision and goals, and we're all heading the same direction. Right. And that what's great about good culture too is it also eliminates people that are outside of the belief system. Mm-hmm. When we're all heading like to the left. And we got some guy wanting to head to the right. He sticks out like a sore sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And if if I don't get rid of him or do something, the guys are going to be offended right. around going, "Hey, that's not our culture, and you're not doing anything about it." So it's really it's a really cool thing when you really you know how how it can you know just elevate your company. And I had a guy the other day talking about his culture and how it changed. And he goes, "Man, we have we have like three less technicians, and we're doing." 40% more business in sales. Wow. It makes and, a difference. It, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about how you kind of, your, your philosophy, if someone makes mistakes, don't make a second mistake, you know, just learn from it, move on. How, on the positive side, you know, how do you guys uh, throughout the business recognize your top performers um, to, you know, just to kind of uh, pat them on the back, know them that they're appreciated and that, you know, they're not just slaving away and no one notices, right? There's a lot of um, value in, in showing people the, how appreciative you are. So what do you guys do at Baker Brothers to, to there's, there's like a a lot of it's just like you know there, the one thing is we have like a top ten list you know that we just have on a whiteboard that's handwritten mm-hmm. and they pay attention to that especially the younger guys they want to compete against each other so that's one way they're up on the top ten mm-hmm. and we do special stuff like we make a new hat in for instance it's it's a they give us twelve of them so hey what do you think about these hats we'll give ten of them to the top ten mm-hmm. and 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 we'll and we'll do little little stuff like that like yep. you know hey maybe we have some tickets to a game, give it to one of the top 10 guys. Mm-hmm. You know, so the guys see, hey, these top 10 guys, even just getting a new hat is a big reward that everyone visually can see. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing we do is weekly, we do we do monthly meetings, you know, where we actually, the monthly meetings, like give the best tech and eat part, you know, and, and we kind of show them up there and man, they really enjoy that. Uh, we also, uh, once a year, uh, we actually, in the group that we're in now, there's three Texas teams. So once a year, we celebrate the best guys, you know, of, of Texas. So they, they get awarded this big Eagle and get in front of everybody. Cool. We use the SGI boards as well. Mm-hmm. 
we had a guy that won the best, I think he won overall best sell, selling tech for the year. Mm-hmm. And that was huge for him. I mean, man, he, and really these top performing guys really love to get trophies and be, and get awards and certificates and, you know, be recognized publicly. Some people don't, yeah. but, and, that, and that's something you have to just fill out. Like a guy who doesn't like you to get him to stand up in front of everybody and wave and say, Hey, this guy just did the best. Some people don't like it. So how we do that on the monthly is we just have their picture up there and people clap for them. That's cool. You know, so we don't bring them up to the front and make them embarrassed or anything like that. <laughs> sure. and, and even if we give them cards, we give them, to, we go hand them to them cool. as opposed to have them come up. Cause we do have like, I mean, we'll have 150 guys in there in the meeting and, and a lot of people can't get embarrassed. Yeah. You know? Sure. Sure. That's a lot of people, you know, something I've always admired in there or something I rather I recall and you and I have talked previously about your scoreboards is, you know, you're not, uh, I think this happens to a lot of like, smaller guys is they have a top producer and maybe that top producer kind of spins out and starts doing the bad stuff and they're and, and contractors are afraid to get rid of that guy. And, yeah. you know, in talking with you, you said, Hey, you know, yeah, we, we have people that do dumb stuff and sometimes you're okay with cutting them loose because everyone else on that scoreboard notices it. And, and you just have guys kind of ra- rise to the top. Right. And, and someone else yeah. takes his place. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you can't have core values that you tell everybody, hey, we make decisions on trust, quality, care, like that's ours, mm-hmm. and then have somebody just a blatant disregard for trust right. and say the guy goes and overcharges a customer for something that he didn't even actually do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just like stealing to us. So it's like and, – and people will go ahead and just make an excuse for them and, and kind of let them slide because they're the top producer. Sure. But one, one of the things that we have to realize is that we give that top producer all the top calls. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're feeding that guy top calls. He's not a Zig Ziglar walking around boxing knives, going door to door selling stuff. Right. I mean, we're putting him in the great situation where he's almost shooting fish in a barrel. Mm-hmm. He just is the guy that communicates well enough to close. Right. If you lose that guy, the second guy gets all the lead calls. Right. And guess what? You don't you don't notice you you barely have a blip. Mm-hmm. He had four guys, and only one of them was good, and and everybody, and he was like. 40% more than everybody else. I mean, probably not, but if you got like the top, if the top two guys are fairly close, top three guys are fairly close. You lose the top guy, man. It's those other guys just fill in. So, uh, and the thing too, with the top guy, we always have to keep them humble so that they don't make, they don't feel like they can get away with murder and violate one of our core values. Mm-hmm. Like our best guy that just won the best in the year. He had sold one year. He sold three. He broke $3 million. That's what he wanted to do. And he broke $3 million. And I, and I was talking to him and I said, well, and this is terrible for me to do, but it just puts him where he understands. I said, Hey, can, you sold 3 million. Can anyone sell a million, a million five and AC? He goes, oh yeah, anybody. I mean, you teach your kid how to do it. He can do a million five. I go, okay. So anyone can do a million five. Yeah. So you don't really have to be that special. No. Okay, so if because you're a commission sales guy, if I get two million five guys, it just really costs me the truck and gas, right? <laughs> and he goes, it's still three million dollars to the company. And he goes, well, that's that's messed up. And I go, I'm just trying to tell you that I that's what I have to do. Yeah, that, that, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to tell you that what I I'm just trying to tell you that that's three million dollars still. And yes. 
you're on commission and hey great i appreciate it and i love you to death mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna let you i'm not gonna let you hurt a customer i'm not gonna let you do something you shouldn't do right I, and, and they they all they always had to feel like there's the danger of we ask them to become a customer and leave right. <laughs> you know so <laughs> you have to put things in perspective and don't let yourself drink their kool-aid right that if you don't have them there's no way you're going to succeed mm-hmm. because they will if, if they feel like that they have control and it's what i always call like it's you don't need the dog you don't need the the, the dog wags the tail the tail doesn't wag the dog right if you start letting them create policy create the culture then you're you're, you're going down a road that you're gonna it, they're gonna leave anyway at some point in time because they're so amazing and cocky mm-hmm. you're, you're but what's funny is they actually like when you put them in the box and make them follow rules Interesting. They, they don't like it and they say they don't like it mm-hmm. but a lot of times their lives are kind of crazy and 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 they find uh security and, and safety and, and some of the discipline in the regiment right. when they get used to it right so we've lost our top using plumber that was way ahead of everybody mm-hmm. our overall plumbing sales stay the same mm. and that's something people find yeah. a way that's, that's and that just happened that just happened probably three or four months ago right right um so you do a great job obviously of of, of creating a funnel of talent to, to come into the company, to grow with the company, so that when that happens, like you said, someone steps up. What, what do you guys do to continue to pr- produce top performers? I know you're, you know, you're constantly recruiting. Um, what, what, is, what does the training process look like for, say I'm a young guy, I'm an apprentice, I just joined, I don't, I don't know anything. Walk me through what, what my development would look like. At- well, well, the big part that I think is a really important part is like the 10, a 10 day onboarding process where they ride with the tech for 10 days, no matter how much they beg to get off the truck. I know plumbing, all that stuff. They go ride with them 10 days so they can get the feel of what it means and what it looks like and what's supposed to sound like for Quebec brothers. Mm-hmm. Then once we do that, of course we do training like in the mornings, like just like probably once a week where we do like, you know, training on our, how we do things and how to present it and how to, they usually need a lot more present presentation skills. And they do tech skills. Right. Um, and then we do that. But then the big part is, too, one of the things we just found out, I used to not really believe in Mm ride-alongs because it just was just nerve-wracking for them. Like, for me to go jump in a truck with them in a clipboard, I mean, (laughs) they they were so nervous they couldn't do the right thing anyway. And and it was just like, it it wasn't very productive. Mm -hmm. But what we found is hiring like an old, like an old technician or a technician that worked through us, it's got older, or just somebody who's really good, Mm -hmm. having that guy come along and ride along with them Mm -hmm. and, and coach them, is is huge cool because they're they're it's like it's like when you learn it's like hey i can tell you audibly how to do it i can have you write it down and that helps but most of us in the trades i show you how to do it you see me and then i hand you and go hey why don't you do it while i'm watching you Mm -hmm. and then you end up doing on your own and that's how we kind of learn in the trade so it's funny that we don't use that you know learning in, in in the in the truck right. where you know hey i i tell you know i told you how to do it you wrote it down that's great mm-hmm. but now i'm going to show you how to do it i'm in the house talking to the customer mm-hmm. using all those methodologies and you're seeing how i do it right. and then now i'm going to say hey let's go to this next customer now you do it bob and you go in there and do it 
And then I afterwards I go, Hey, what did you, how'd you do? You know, what'd you miss? You know, we, we kind of talk about that. And then eventually, you know, I can kind of take the training wheels off and you can do it on your own. So we really, with some of the younger techs have had a lot of luck with the ride alongs as opposed to being one of us or a management person, right. Having a guy that's, a peer but an older peer right go with them it's a lot it's it's a lot better situation for us what's the communication then look like between the younger tech and say uh their direct report the service manager so how frequently is he or she meeting with that new tech to talk about his performance uh, where can we help you how can we further develop you i mean what's that communication schedule kind of look like what's that conversation look like well on the on the on the on the hey you know like bubba's really been like right before the COVID, we were meeting a lot with everybody right. he was trying to get those guys to meet at least a couple of times a month they have about 10 techs under them mm-hmm. and just sit down with the guys and go hey is there anything that i can do to help you out like is i mean what do you need right. you know what, what do you want to learn you know and uh how can i help you get there so we're, we're so used to like you know when the techs do something wrong they come in the manager talks to them and tells them what they did wrong they get defensive you know, they worked for the manager the night before till 1030 at night and missed dinner and all this other stuff. And now he's in there bitching because they didn't, you know, use a number two pencil or something. They're really pissed off. Right. So it never works. Well. So we've been trying to come alongside him and really be a coach, mm-hmm. you know, like get the manager, really coach them and talk about what are their goals and then, and then go and then align them with the company goals and then say, what do you need out of me? So let's try. So maybe it's a methodology like the guy goes, yeah, I really need to up my average ticket, you know, and then that would make me more money and make the company more money. Okay, that's a great idea. So, hey, what do you do now? How do you do it? You know what? You're not given three options or, you know, you, you, should, you told me you struggle with that. Well, here, let me help you with that. Right. So let's try that this next week. Let's try to do that. And then follow him back up and go, hey, how'd you do? Well, I struggled with this and struggled with that, and then you and 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 that would be the perfect scenario. And I and I am talking about utopia right. and not reality. <laughs> that would be the perfect. That would be the perfect scenario. Sure. We were doing a pretty good job with that, mm-hmm. but um, it, it is it's very difficult. And you know, a lot of times too, you get the, the tech who challenges the methodology and just goes, "You're just full of it." Yeah. And the only way to do it is go out there to take it and do do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I would always do is say. Hey, you're at the bottom, right? So there's no one below you. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> I go, so let let's 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 talk about the methodology we use in the home. And they go, okay. And I go, I go, so how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Walk me through it. And what happens, you find out, they'll say, Oh, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And then you, they walk you through it. And they go, Well, when I do the greeting, I tell a joke. And I'm like, Well, hey, let's cut the joke out. Yeah. And I said, Well, let's do this. Agree to me that you'll do exactly what I tell you to do, exactly the way I tell you to do it, mm-hmm. for one week. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, you can come back and tell me that I'm completely a, a moron and stupid. <laughs> I'll allow you to do that. Right. And they go, and they're and they're all about it. And yeah. what's funny is to prove you wrong and that you're a moron, they'll go out and do exactly what you tell them. Right. And then I had a guy that was at the very bottom, had been at the bottom for like eight months. He said, "I'm going to show Jimmy's a moron," and he basically got in the middle. Another guy went from the second or third to the bottom. He went to number two overall wow. on like probably 30-something guys at that time. Wow. And and what I was trying to say is that they, in, in, in essence, to prove you wrong, but to, to get them to agree to do it, they may not do it. But to prove you wrong, they may do it. So that's – I used to use that methodology all the time when the guy would say, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. And the, the number – if someone's telling you they're doing something and they're doing the methodology and the numbers don't support that, mm-hmm. if you break it down – 
the guys aren't lying most of the time. Right. They just think they're doing it right. And when you break it down 100%, they're going to mess it up. Right, right. That's Go ahead. No, yeah, we're uh, talking about communication between manager and tech and, and how that fosters production and, and builds culture over time. How about um, communication amongst your managers? Because it's real easy, I'm sure, to company your size for, for one department to get irritated with another department. And if everyone operates in a silo, all of a sudden it's, it becomes, uh, you know, they, they pit each other against one another. So how do you break down where there's communication amongst all departments and, and everyone, you know, and you can smooth well, things out. What's that process look like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty tough to communicate across the trades and even sometimes across departments. Mm-hmm. Like getting accounting and the plumbing managers to do what they need to do and, and not to silo up is really tough. Yeah. And I don't think that there's like for us like this really clear-cut communication path that happens. Right. Besides, most of the time I'm playing referee and reminding everybody, hey, we're all on the same team. Right. And going, hey, look, guys. And, and a lot of times it's just – Really getting the two people, getting those two guys in the same room when they have these struggles, mm-hmm. and talk. They don't understand why these people. Why are you asking for this? Like right now, right. I've got other stuff to do. And then when you explain what's going on on their side of things, like hey, when you do this, accounting has to go through this huge process right. and waste two people's time for several hours because you didn't check a box. Mm-hmm. And when when they start realizing kind of the actual pain that they're creating for the other people, they, they start to like pay attention and, and they start to like correct some of those actions, but it's a constant battle. And the bigger you get, right. the, the worse that it gets. And one of our guys recently that was in our organization, he moved over and became president of another organization. Mm-hmm. And, and he called me like within a week going, Oh my God, how do you deal with this? Cause <laughs> the people in the office, like, you know, with a problem with another person and all this. And I'll say one thing about this COVID stuff that is really great mm-hmm. because not everybody's in the office. Yeah. It is amazing how much stuff is just not happening that I'm having a referee. It's crazy without the humans interacting with each other, how there's so many less problems. That's it's, it's really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Will you open that door on COVID? I'll ask how is, how has communication changed? I know you guys were all about, uh, daily huddles and, 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 you know, and that, I think there's a lot of value in there, but how are you, how have you adapted with technology? You guys a zoom meeting or you just calling, you know, yeah, I mean, we're using Microsoft teams yeah. like for our huddles now. And so we, we, we still have our, all of our meeting schedules. We still have all that stuff and we're just using Microsoft teams for that. Okay. Um, I've, I'm on some other organizations and we're using zoom, which is great. Yeah. I, I think, I, I do like, I will say this, I like anything that shows all, like, you know, all the people on it better than just one person zoomed in, you know? Sure. So I think that's something, too, to kind of, when you're training to that, tell people, like, hey, because if you just see one person, you can't, it's, it's just good to see the whole group as much as you can. You can also use Facebook Portal as another one. Okay. It's great that we use for off-site people, uh, but Facebook Portal is kind of like, so if I were to meet with you, Bob, and say I had 10 people, yeah. it would zoom out. You could see all 10 people, oh. like, sitting at a table, okay. and we could see you. And yeah, you and 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 if anybody moves, the camera kind of follows them. Like if you're say say another person, like say Scott came up behind you in the meeting, yeah. it would zoom out and see both of you. Okay. So the cool thing about Facebook portals as a dynamic camera, right? And it's really clear, but you, but you have to have Wi-Fi. Uh, Microsoft Teams, you can do it on your phone. You can do it mobile, like 
mobile phone, yeah. same way Zoom works. Yeah. Um, and 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 they're all of them work, and all of them are great. But I but I really encourage you guys to keep doing the huddles. Now our tech huddles, we haven't been using Microsoft Teams and all that for the tech huddles. Right. Right. Um, and and it's just because we've had a lot of them just directly go from their house to the job, sure. and we only have them coming in like you know two times a week instead of every day yeah. to go to refill their you know truck and their stock. Sure. So that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's not ideal for anyone, but you're, you you got to do what you got to do in these certain weird times. Um, we talked about you know you playing referee, and but it's important you know it sounds like you know you don't live in a, a bubble where you you sequester yourself right. You don't allow stuff to get bad. You you, you recognize it. You address it. On the other side, yeah. on the other side, how do you facilitate team building? How do you how do you create that uh, where everyone feels like they are working together? I know you guys used to have like quarterly sayings and stuff like that. What what do you do to keep that that atmosphere, that good culture, that good vibe going throughout the office? So, so we'll do like quarterly themes, and that's how that book, Mastering Rockefeller Habits, are scaling up. Mm-hmm. And they and they do quarterly themes, and and really what they do is they kind of have a scoreboard for the theme. So, for instance, if we said, like, one of our first ones was to listen to the customer. Right. So what we did is we actually used, a, we, we actually used uh, you know, a, uh, a NPS score mm-hmm. to mon- – that was a scoreboard. Right. And we had, like, a really high one already. And we had – it was, like, in the low 80s, which is really high for that. And then we got up into the 90s, and that was the goal. Like, hey, let's get in the 90s. So we make T-shirts up that say, you know, listen to the customer, customer knows, but whatever. You have a logo. And then what we do is we talk about that the whole entire quarter. Every week at our weekly meetings, we're talking about. So right now, Bubba, is, you know, who talks about our theme, he's still doing it, but he's doing it like through video mm-hmm. and then we give and then we text the video out to everybody and everybody and they all watch it it's like right. it gets watched by almost everybody they send it to so he, he keeps doing the theme talks and then but man the guys the t-shirt part is that they love the t-shirt part so we make a t-shirt up about the theme yeah and so everybody's wearing that t-shirt around the office personnel wear it on fridays yeah i mean it's it's you know it's it's kind of a cool it's a really cool thing Definitely. and the guys will really gather around if you and, and if you have a bad theme sometimes they don't really you know get into it but if you have a really good theme they man they will really support it and and i think a big part is to have a scoreboard for the theme right you have to have a way to measure the theme and and if you can do that and keep showing them like look how much better we're doing then you know a lot of guys use pulse m and for me i i don't want i want my bads my reds on pulse m to be less than two percent like i want it to be 1.5 right at least and we'll you know we show that up there and drive to that 1.5 you know and it's just you can do all kinds of little tricky ways to talk about customer service like listen to the customer you know fred factor was one of them which is a book about customer service Mm -hmm. we we did these things like so we'd have like a fred factor t-shirt that kind of had the imagery of the book on the front and on the back it said baker brothers and it said be a fred you know, so we'd have these little things, and we and we like, and, but we had the measure of, hey, let's have not very many customers that don't like us. Right. <laughs> so that was kind of how we measured it. Support for this podcast comes from Rhino Fleet Tracking. Rhino is an industry-leading commercial vehicle tracking company with an array of vehicle and equipment tracking solutions, which provide you valuable data about your drivers and fleet. 
Their live Texas-based customer service has led them to more than 12 years of success. For SGI member discounts and more information, visit rhinofleettracking.com. Welcome back to the show. In a moment, you'll hear Jimmy and I talk about how he's had to change his management approach as millennials now make up the bulk of his workforce. We also talk about the value of having different types of personalities on your team. And Jimmy explains why he continues to push himself to become a better leader. Let's jump back into the conversation. All these things you're doing, you know, the the onboarding, training, the, the performance management stuff, that, that's all great, but it doesn't ultimately matter if you have the wrong people. And I know, uh, again, recruiting is a big thing with what you guys, but just in, over your, as an observation of doing this for as long as you've been doing it, what are the, you know, what is the most, so the most successful people at Baker Brothers, what do they look like? What's their makeup? So for a member, listening to this what kind of people should they be looking for when they interview i think that's what i'm trying to boil it down to you should you should always hire for behavior and attitude mm-hmm. and and skill and skills secondary mm-hmm. so if you're if you're you know you you go sit across from a guy and you automatically like him the customer probably automatically likes him right if he has good morals if he's worried about how you treat customers and that, i mean very few interviewees go hey i just, i want to work for a company that really anyone who would say hey i really want to work for a company that really does the right thing by their customers that guy's an auto hire for us if he talks about his last company that hey man i really love the customers i, I wanted to make sure they're treated right i want to take care of them you you know that's just you, a lot, you can't a lot of times teach morals. I can teach you how to use a screwdriver and a wrench and teach you how to diagnose water heaters and AC units and all that stuff. I can't teach you to be a good person, right. you know, in the time that we're interacting. Mm-hmm. If you're naturally already one and you're naturally already customer service oriented, if you're naturally already empathetic to people, mm-hmm. man, you're, you're a great catch. And so we get guys all the time, you know, like that you meet, that you go, man, have you ever thought about doing what we do? And they go, well, yeah, I actually have. And then we grab them up and stick them in training. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, like I said, I've always heard that. And it, and it really is true. You can hire people too. When your culture's great, when, when everyone's doing, you know, uh, what they're supposed to, and you've got a good culture, not a pretend culture that we all talk about how good it is. And we all read our core values out before our <laughs> deal. And we talk about how awesome we are. Right. But when the reality is you make tough decisions as an owner, you'll, they see you make a decision where you lose money, but you did the right thing to the customer right. that builds up and builds the character of the company. Well, then when a guy comes in, who's not used to that, who's kind of used to like straight commission sales that, Hey, I don't care how you get it here. Just drag the dead body in. I don't. I don't care what happens. You just right. make us money. Right. When you when they go from that place to our place, mm-hmm. they'll tell us like, "Hey, I don't make as much money as I used to, but man, I can look myself in the mirror and shave my face." So right. it takes the guys that maybe aren't the perfect guys, mm-hmm. and it and it and it pulls them more into that. And it, and it's a biblical concept. It's in the Bible. It's a, you know, which you know, it's probably I'm sure that was written thousands of years ago. But they talk about, you know, hey, if one person, if five people, you know, if there's five people and only one of them's in the light, mm-hmm. the other four will pull them in the dark. No matter how good that guy's intentions are, I'm going to pull these four people back over here. It doesn't work that way. You get pulled into the dark. And then the same thing, if there's four people in the light and one person in the dark, the person in the dark will be drawn to the light. Right. So the majority rules, mm-hmm. Candy Camera did something really funny back in the the 50s where they went you went into an elevator and when you walked in everybody turned around backwards hmm. 
And what happened was the person that's, a, that's not the actor looked around and was like, and just naturally turns around backwards because with no reason, <laughs> no, no. And, and one time the guy gets in and they turn three different times and the guy turned the way they turned. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is you have to have the majority. If you don't have whatever your culture is, if it's good, bad, or indifferent, mm-hmm. the majority of the company has to be there. And if they're not, you can you can print up your core values. You can wear them on your T-shirt. You can read them. You can talk about them. You can preach it. You know every every Wednesday. Right. But if you don't live it, and the and the majority of your company doesn't live it, then you won't then you won't get the 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 rest of everyone else to do it. It can't just be ten percent of you guys trying to you know bring the other ninety percent over to you. Right. You have to and and if and if the people that are working for you will not abide by it then they then they don't need you'll never change your culture until you get rid of those bad those bad apples right right no that's good stuff just a couple more for you jimmy and um you know you talked about just trying to find good people um are there any you know we this show we talk a lot about the disc profile are there any certain personalities that just tend to succeed more than others or do you have top performers at every type of within the disc profile well, I don't, I don't, and we don't use this, but we use something that's similar to it. And, and the trait that, that seems to work, it, what's funny is you hire yourself. Mm-hmm. Like if you really, to be honest, to have a great team, you need, you need people in different segments of, of there's no bad disc profile. Mm-hmm. I think some people think that they read it and they go, oh, I, don't, I don't like that type of person. But well, the thing is, if you're task oriented, for instance, you need someone who's people oriented. Right. If you're in this business, mm-hmm. you know, you have to retain people. You have to like please the people that you that work for you. Right. If you're just task oriented, you're like, what? I got your water heater in. Yeah, but you tore up everything else, but your water heater's in. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you, the guy was a jerk, but is your hot water work? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make it okay in our business. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the things you have to do is just evaluate and go, how many people in the different segments of the disc do you need to make a, a great team? Um, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, one of the things about, you know, football analogies that I think are really kind of bleed into the corporate America is the, the, the difference in football players is so vast. Like this guy's over here running a four four, he's six foot three, and he's the receiver. You know, this guy over here is like five foot eleven and weighs like two hundred and twenty five pounds, and he runs like a four six, and he's running back. Mm-hmm. You know, here's Tom Brady, six foot five. You know, thin as a rail. You know, slow, but he can throw the ball. Right. You know, here's a lineman, three hundred thirty five pounds. You know, the, the, the per- people are so different, sure. but working together and in, 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 in organized properly, it will, they achieve the goals. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what I think it to look like on these on these personality tests and disc tests and all those things. We need to find, yeah, you don't want to put an accountant in slow detail. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense. Right, right. But on the, on the whole, man, I've had guys that are low though detail do really well and i've had guys that are high detail do really well in the right. field i mean in the field really there's a there's a pretty broad range of people that you can use mm-hmm. but if everybody's working to the same goal which is to you know and i think it's really comes down to the simplicity of you know the, the customer winning the employees winning and then the and then the uh, company winning. Yeah. You put that into that context, and you tell stories about why that's important to everybody. Because right. I'll tell you, if your technician yells at the dispatcher for dispatching them improperly, mm-hmm. the employee's not winning. Right. The tech may, I mean, the tech may have feel like he won, but 
when you start talking to them about, well, an employee winning is y'all's job as a company. Well, it's partly our job, but it's also y'all's job the way you treat each other. Right. So you can you can use that that scenario. Those three wins are what we're all driving for. And if we're all driving for customer satisfaction, then we're willing to take some criticism on how we get there. Right. And, right. And, and, and oh, go ahead, Jim. In our culture, uh, one last thing about that though. In our culture, the best thing we do is when I come in and there's like a problem mm-hmm. and we're talking about the mistake. Instead of just sole criticism, what I try to do is make sure that I I, I set the, the the deal. I go, hey guys, look, this is just a data point. This failure is just a data point. We're we're going to like figure out the customer what they wanted, you know, how we consistent basis. So don't take this personally. Right. You know, we all mess up. Sure. And what happens? You kind of let them allow you to talk to them about how to do it better. Right. You know. Right, I like that. Uh, you talked about different personalities. How about you? You've uh, you've had an interesting uh, uh, handling of, of you know, different generations, right? Because you you're now dealing with a lot of your your techs are, are millennials, and, and I know we've talked in the past about how they are just motivated differently. So maybe just briefly talk about how you've had to adjust how to compensate those guys, how to reward those guys, and and what they want versus what the previous generation wanted, and you've had to adapt. Yeah. Yeah, see, like, you know, the other guys, if you didn't give them, like, 70 hours a week, you're a jerk because they wanted overtime. Right. Because all of the guys that are baby boomers, like, and if you didn't work 60 hours, you were less of a plumber than they were. Right. I mean, they were, like, and and what they just cared about, clocking time and making money. Right. You know, I mean, that was kind of the way they were driven. And if you didn't allow them to do that, they would go find another job. Right. So now the guys go, I don't want to work 45 hours, much less 55 or 60 and they don't care about the overtime and that they like making money but what they really like is to master things and succeed right they, they like that and if you if you can put them into where they're in mastery roles like where they they're used to like in video games you know every level you master the level and go to the next level right they like that kind of thing mm-hmm. they like to be competitive like, you know top 10 boards all the guys on the top 10 board are all the younger guys yeah. and they, and they love that competition piece. Right. So you, that helps the company out. Yeah. And, and, and what our, our, our change that we have to make, like I tell these guys, oh, this is kind of an aggressive thing statement, but I go, what if, what if we met all of our company goals by Thursday? Could everybody be off Friday? Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, that's you know, heresy. And I'm like, well, we got all the money we need to make our budget. Right. And, you know, does it matter? And and the thing is, you know, the reality would be, hey, 50 percent of the guys would not make it. <laughs> They'd still be working and handling our customers. Right. But we really need to talk about that. Like, hey, how do we give these guys work flexibility, you know, options at work? Like when we work Saturdays, mm-hmm. we go, hey. Would you like to like have a three day weekend prior to the Saturday? So would you like to work like Saturday, you know, like be off Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday through Saturday you work. Right. What benefits us because there's no overtime. Right. And it benefits the guy because it's a three day weekend. Mm-hmm. Where the other way we did it, he just worked six days that week. Right. And right. and 
they can choose to work the six days if they want, or they can choose to do that one. But people think work flexibility is like a hard line rule that has to stay, but work flexibility is more about giving them options of how they want to work. That's great. That's awesome. Last question, Jimmy, for you. Talked a lot about, about a lot of different things here. Um, just what advice would you have for, you know, a lot of our, our SGI members or smaller companies that are striving to one day maybe get to where you are. In terms of the culture component, what what's the thing they need to be doing? And, you, and you've kind of probably hit on this several times, but what, what are one or two things they need to be doing every day and be cognizant of it in order to build the culture, to grow the team, to be inspired to work there, and then ultimately hit goals and you can add more people and it just kind of spirals. So what, what are some so things you need to be doing? Don't wait to fix your culture until you get big. Mm-hmm. It's harder. You're And right now you're the culture. Right. And it, and you need to take that. And if you if you don't like your culture, then go look in the mirror because that's the problem with your culture. Mm-hmm. And you need to evaluate yourself, be critical of yourself, and go. I want a bunch of me's running around. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say this, and I tell my kids this. I said, if you want to be a great, if you want to be a great leader, you want to be a great person. Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Do not allow yourself because you're the boss be the guy that goes, Hey, do as I say, not as I do. Right. That's, that's terrible, terrible advice. Always make sure that if you're, if you're honesty, then you better be honest above reproach that you better show the guys that, Hey, I'm so honest that I will hurt myself. I, I took a, I took a $40,000 haircut one time because a guy, one of my managers missed, uh, you know, he, he added up a bonus and it was not correct. Mm. And he came and he goes, Jimmy, we're in trouble. He goes, man, I, I, I didn't carry the one or something happened here. Yeah. And it's, it's 40 grand. And I go, and he goes, well, we're not going to pay the guys that I'll just tell him this. I go, whoa, whoa. Did you tell him you're going to pay? And he goes, yes. I go, then you're going to pay it. Wow. And he goes, because you said you're, you're going to pay it. That meant I said, you're going to pay it. That meant Baker brothers said you're going to pay it. Right. You're going to pay it. Cause you told them. Right. And, and if, and I tell the techs that how did I become a great tech? I go, Never do do the things you tell the customer. Never, you know, it's that whole thing of under promise and over deliver. If you just do what you say you're going to do, when you're going to do it with the customer, they'll all love you because they're used to us contractors not doing that. Right. But if you'll do that with your employees and hold, hold so many times, you know, we're all hypocritical in a way. We like to break the rules. A lot of entrepreneurs like to break the rules, sure. but the, there is a thing about it. You have to hold yourself to the standard that you expect out of your employees mm-hmm. and lead an example. And if you don't do that, then you will you will have the, if you allow yourself to like tell your secretary to go, hey, tell them I'm in Canada right. because I don't want to talk to that guy. Right. You've allowed her to lie to that person or customer or vendor. And guess what? It's okay for them to be dishonest with you. Right. right. So I think that's kind of the circle of life there when you're small is just to, to really pay attention to how you interact with your employees right. and are you don't expect more out of them than you expect out of yourself and and whatever you want you have to become right i love that and and just if i could just interject real quick something also i've noticed just because you and i've talked uh, lots of times is you also even at your size you don't think you know it all you constantly work and look for ways to improve your parts of different groups i know you you know you're an avid learner so that never stops right no, as soon as, as soon as you know it all is there, there's always a bell curve and everything, you know, you, you, you see the cycle of growth, it goes, it goes up and then it gets to the top and it flattens out. Mm-hmm. Now, some people can flatten that sucker out for 30 years and that's great. <laughs> that's awesome business. Yeah. But most people start going on the backside of that curve and start 
going down. Mm-hmm. You see in the guys that are old right now, they're 70 years old owning their companies. I mean, they're really successful. They grew it up and then they flattened it out and then they started heading down because they don't change. They know everything. The minute that you feel like that you can't learn anything your next day at work, the minute that backside of that bell curve heading south mm-hmm. and, and and if you want your company to be better and you want your company to grow then you better grow right. and one of the things i've always learned that i heard at a luncheon one time this guy said hey how fast is your company you're like oh 30 percent da, 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 da. man it's great we've done it the last three years he goes so just in the course of this last year have you become 30 percent better as the president and ceo of your company right and the guy just kind of scared off he goes well, to be honest, no, I haven't. He goes, you have to read books. You have to become a better leader. You have to go to leadership conference. You have to go to things like SGI and any place that you can learn. Right. And if you don't, the minute you don't, just be cool with where you're at and, and be okay. Hopefully you have enough money in the bank to just go broke because that's that's probably where you're headed. Right. And, and you just have to – and then Gus is the same way. I mean when I met Gus for the first time – and he was—he's a sponge. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything you told him, man, he just—he just wrote it down and sucked it in. And man, he—he he constantly questioned. He asked you questions about everything you did, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's that's what you have to be. And if and if these guys that go, hey, I've got, you know, five trucks right now, and I want to have twenty-five, man, you better you better start. You better get on it and start learning from and start talking to owners at SGI and going to lunch with people and asking questions. Right. Sitting there at lunch not saying anything not going to get you anything either unless there's some really good, some conversations going around and you're just listening. Mm-hmm. But just make sure you're doing that. And, and I think that's the big thing is learning and execution are the two top things that you can do to make your company. I love it. Awesome. Jimmy? Thank you so much for your time. This was a great discussion. Dropped lots of nuggets. I hope uh, lots of people are taking notes and, and get some value out of it. I just appreciate you're always real. So thank you so much for your time, sir. That's Jimmy Dale of Baker Brothers. Thanks for listening to the show. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchin at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating. Remember, friends give fives. You've been listening to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Home Depot Pro. With an inventory of more than 100,000 products, the Home Depot Pro's product selection includes both the name brands you seek and the exclusive brands you trust. For more information, go to ebarnett.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is copyrighted 2020 by Aquila Investment Group, LLC.